G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. G'day everyone, welcome to Footyology TV live from the studios of Southern FM in Brighton. Very good evening to you, Finey. Good evening, Rowan, how are you? I'm <laughs> good. Better than the last time you spoke to me. Um, fantastic round of footy, round 18, with uh, what I reckon uh, was the game of the season, but some massive ramifications out of several games this weekend for the latter, which we will zip through before we get into the wraparound. Let's run through it from the top. Richmond on 52 points. No, no graphics this week. Richmond, 52 <laughs> points. West Coast, 52 points. The Tigers, about 12% ahead of the Eagles. Collingwood coming in third spot at the moment on 48 points. 121.7 for the Pies. Sydney in fourth place just on percentage. 114.2. From Port Adelaide, both losers this week. The power on 44 points also, 113.1. GWS next, 42 points, 112.3. Melbourne and Hawthorne rounding out the eight, both on 40 points. The Demons, 127.9. The Hawks, 119.0. Outside the eight, despite an incredible win last night, the Cats also on 40 points, 118.2. North Melbourne coming in 10th spot, 36 points, 108.0. Essendon, 36 points, 99.9. Adelaide, 36 points, 99.1. Scratch arrest. What did you make of the weekend in a nutshell? Well, we had probably the biggest upset oh, maybe in five years. I, I think, can't think of a bigger upset. Well, I think in betting terms, it was uh, officially one of the, uh, the biggest for a long time. Can you hear us? Ah, oh, you can hear us. Oh, that's good. Good, good. Keep going. Melbourne's along. Brilliant game of football. Yep. You know, whilst that was happening, actually, Adelaide and Brisbane went down to the wire as well. Brisbane had a little late dash, and Brisbane probably had as much time as Geelong to snatch the game from Adelaide. But no heroics, no Menzel, Hawkins, Tui heroics. No, that, together. that game could be the least talked about uh, one goal, one kick result for a long, long time also. Uh, so much to talk about. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get straight into the wraparound. And we're going to get straight into the wraparound. Go for it. All going swimmingly tonight. There it is. You Thanks know what? For that. I don't mind it if it keeps you off the air guitar. No guitar in that fighting. Just really rank keyboards and a couple of dramatic flourishes at the end. Why don't people air, air keyboard? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get through tonight's show, Fonnie, to be perfectly honest. I feel a rant coming in <laughs> early. Oh, yeah. Come on, mate. An unscripted one. All right. It was the game of the season. The Cats, post siren, getting over the Demons. 16-14-100, defeating Melbourne, 14-14-98. Hawkins, 7. Dangerfield, 2. For the Demons, Tom McDonald, 4. Gala, 2. Melksham, 2. 
So many great players. Where, I don't know where to start with this. Tom Hawkins, outstanding. I'll get to that, so let's not dwell on that too long. Gary Ablett, one of the great last quarters after a pretty mediocre by his standards first three quarters, 14 disposals to Ablett in the last quarter. The other massive factor in the last quarter, Tim Kelly, and what a find he's been. 10 last quarter disposals for Kelly. For the Demons, I thought McDonald was great all evening as a key forward for them, but their midfield really sort of went missing when they least could afford that to happen in the last quarter. Still thought they were going to hang on. Hang on. They sort of steadied the ship a bit after the Cats kicked, uh, what was it, five goals within about 12 minutes. Um, still thought they were going to hang on with 20-odd seconds left. A kick in, I think uh might have been 41 seconds left on the clock when Henderson took the final kick in. Pivotal moment for me, uh, Melksham and Vince, one of them could have marked the ball. Vince elected to punch it back in the Demons' direction. Scrimmage around 30 metres out from the Geelong goal. Didn't lock the ball in. Another important touch from Ablett, his last of the evening. He dummies the handball and then he feeds one out sideways to Tom Stewart. Stewart to Menzel out on the wing. Menzel inboard. Very brave kick to Hawkins. The value of Menzel. I mean, he does have that skill. skill. Great decision. Yeah. Wait, just wait till I finish it off. Hawkins handball out the side to Duncan. Duncan, who'd had a couple of costly lapses, finds the target. Tui marks out in front of Neville Jetta. I'm not sure why Neville Jetta was on Tui at that stage. Siren goes. And even the kick itself, finally, it was no gimme. There was that little moment of hesitation when you thought, is it going to get in? Just gets in inside the right-hand goalpost. Pandemonium ensues. Really costly loss for the Demons. They would have been uh, top four had they won. Uh, well, the Cats end up out of the eight anyway, but they might have been in even more trouble had they lost. What an incredible game of footy. First of all, and well, <laughs> well done to take us back there because that's exactly how it did play out. Um, they should have locked that ball in. I think yeah. Brayshaw. Well, don't you think Vince or Melksham should have called each other to take them up? Possibly, but still, punching the ball forward was not... Yeah, it wasn't a stupid option. Correct. It wasn't uh, costly. Mm. Not as costly as... Well, Brayshaw's having a great month of football and he's really uh, overcome what last year looked like maybe being a career-ending recurrence of concussion to be a, a great player. He's going to be a beauty. But he should have hung on to that ball. Mm. Would have been a very brave umpire to pay a free against him. And even if they had, deep in defence, it would have allowed a better reset. Alex Neil Bullen then a very timid attempt to toe-tap the ball along the ground. You do pick these things apart. Unfortunately, those moments are replayed in fans' minds. And because the game went down to the wire, they're laid bare for all of us to see. I suppose the other one, actually, with about one and a half minutes left, Max Scorn goes off for the blood rule. Critical. Yes. Um, yep. cri critical. Uh, we've got one here from Craig Williams. Why wasn't Tom McDonald moved back to halt Geelong's momentum in the last quarter? He kicked two last quarter goals. He did. No, that's a good point. Um, well, uh, really, I, I was about to ask Craig about the midfield because I think their midfield... Went missing sort of sounds harsh, but Geelong really ruled the roast out of that centre square in the last quarter, didn't they? Look, Harms had been a, a wonderful run with player, and very rare do you see, because Geelong have these three great midfielders, mm. a player given the role on various 
different footballers. Firstly, on Selwood, who yep. he quite quelled in the first half. And really, uh, well, Dangerfield, I think, had 21 and a half time, ended up with 28. So Hans yep. was terrific. Yep. But they had no impetus going their way uh, from those. Uh, and that was the thing. The goals Hawkins got in the last quarter um, on the lead were you know, too easy. Too easy, the disposals out of the yes. middle. So, look, it's... I know it's frustrating for Demon fans. I was a bit annoyed, to be honest, to see a headline today. Um, you know, Goodwin can't afford to be soft on the Demons. You know, it's sort of like they mm. hang on to, the, you know, they hang on for another five seconds, and it's what a fantastic great win, Melbourne. Win, great win away. This from is one home. of the things that really annoys me about the media now that the difference between toweling a side up and keeping praise on them is often a matter of seconds. So, look, really disappointing for Melbourne, and it could be really costly, but for 90% of that game, they were pretty good. It was stolen off them in the last quarter. Hawkins, as you mentioned, Ablett. Just one final observation, not on the game, but on the coverage of the game. Producers who believe that the best shot of a player having a shot at goal is from behind the goal is wrong. Yeah. You have the opportunity to take, and there is an angle clearly, of Zach Tui from behind the kicker. Yeah. It gives you the... It, we lost the effect of the ball going at the post. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's a terrible well, you angle. you get no perspective on no, it. No, I you don't go, like it. You either stay with the normal angle or go behind the kicker. Couldn't agree more. Behind the kicker. I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, we, this is a matter for another discussion. But, uh, yeah, couldn't agree more. And most post-siren shots that I can remember uh, over the years, we've stayed with the the conventional shot, and it's yeah. been fine. I think if you can go behind the kicker, that's okay. Yeah. But you look... Not that was behind the wrong the goals. angle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's unlike uh, unlike the seven guys to choose the wrong angle. Quick uh, one before we move on to game two. Geelong, does Geelong getting up say more about Geelong or about Melbourne? I call the Ds the P-Hearts for a reason. That's from David Dennett. Thanks, David. You're harsh. Um, I think it says a bit about both. But like I said, I, I think Melbourne don't deserve scorn heaped upon them having controlled most of that game. Um, and likewise, I think great effort by Geelong. But I still, I'm not, I'm no more convinced after that result that Geelong are any more of a flag chance than I was previously. I think they're still a bit short of the mark. Yeah, Geelong remain this this strange mix of star ball getting champions with spectators, and these spectators can play. So I'm not calling Hawkins a spectator, but important bit part players, not luckily, but timely for Geelong. Look, I I don't understand Menzel. Yeah, I thought Reece Stanley played really well. He was all right. Yeah, he was all right. But again, at Colin Jasney? Yeah, the other end of the 22, though. Narkel didn't do a lot. Parfit didn't do a lot. Yeah, I'm saying that's the thing. There there just seems to be players squeezed out every week. Yeah. Maybe because of the dominance of those midfielders. Yeah, yeah. They they have, uh, I think in summary, they have less of an even spread of talent than other teams, particularly Richmond. But I don't blame, actually, the players. I think the bottom few players in Geelong can be talented, but they just don't get their hands on the ball because the same players do dominate possession. Or maybe, it's, it's, the, yeah. it's like the, the sort of caddy dynamic yeah. where Josh Caddy couldn't get a look in. Yeah. All right, let's move on to game two and another really good game with significant implications for the ladder and GWS scoring their second win in Adelaide this season. They've won six out of their last seven games now and that win took them from 10th up to 6th spot on the ladder. So... 
That's the biggest move of the weekend in terms of the results. 11-14-80, defeating the power, 8-10-58. Um, massive midfield performance from the Giants. Kelly, 30. Ward, 29. Um, Hopper, 28. Coniglio, 25. Whitfield, 31, coming off halfback and de facto midfielder. But really, they set this game up with a great first quarter. 4-3 to one straight. Port uh, at least broke even. Probably, in fact, edged ahead in terms of play from about halfway through the third quarter. But it was interesting finding, uh, and I've been a rap for the power, but they had a mortgage on possession. The ball was basically trapped in their Ford 50 for the first 15 minutes of the last quarter, and they couldn't score. And then GWS came forward, uh, significant call, um, he's sure pinged for a deliberate out of bounds. Now, that was a very interesting moment in the game because Wingard takes the kick and it was touched, but that play was too close. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. there was a bit of uh, bit of debate about we've lost our brightness. We're back on, <laughs> we're back on. You see? Just uh, if anything happens like that, just uh, shoot a note to Tom, he'll be on the case. Uh, yeah, that was controversial, um, but I, I don't know. Charlie Dixon, does too much sort of revolve around Charlie being on or off. He kicked three goals, but I don't know. I didn't feel like they quite got enough out of him. Robbie Gray, not necessarily at his absolute best after that knock last week. Ollie Wines and Jared Pollock, pretty good, 29 disposals each. Mm-hmm. But the Giants are coming, finally, and if you can win twice in Adelaide in a, in a season, that sort of proves you... Credentials. Let's have a look at their run home too, because this is interesting. They've got St Kilda and Carlton, so no given both those. St Kilda, certainly they've had problems with in Melbourne, but no problems up there where the game is played. Adelaide at home, uh, I'd be giving them that one. Sydney, uh, always an interesting clash, and then Melbourne to finish off. So right that, now... That, that Melbourne game? Uh, I think it's at the G. Yep, good, uh, good so way to finish. Right now you'd have them staying in the eight. Yep. So that uh, last spot in the eight, or last two spots in the eight, is basically going to come down to Melbourne, Hawthorne, Geelong, and then a slimmer chance, North, Essendon, even Adelaide at this stage. So it's pretty open. Yeah. Um, all right, Port GWS. Uh, where does that leave Port? I guess they've been saved in, in uh, some respects by Sydney losing, incredibly losing to the Gold Coast. But, so they're still on points, double chance. Okay, so mathematically they didn't... Take the big hit that was. They might have that they that was most likely going to happen when Sydney were lining up against Gold Coast. But we have. It's interesting when we spoke about this game in preview. For no real reason, you went for Port. I went for GWS mainly because of our preconceptions about Port, or or how we value them throughout the season. Yeah, I. I well, uh, I've thought that Port were a more resilient side this year than they had been previously. Fair to say, tonight weakens my faith a bit. They showed some resilience. I mean, they came back at it in the game. As you said, they had enough of the ball. They they, they showed enough character to win, probably not enough poise. Yeah, yeah. I want to make a special comment about the GWS Ruckman. Look, at the start of the year, Rory Lobb was nominally going to do the ruck work for GWS, and it was never going to work because it's just too fragile to survive the hurly-burly of the big centre ruck battle. And so they've had to call on Dawson Simpson. Now, his career has been a stop-start affair, 
but he's been an important player for them in the last few weeks, hasn't he? Yeah. No coincidence that he's buffeted, you know, taken the buffeting, and they've won six out of seven. What about Rory Lobb? Where's he at? I just don't know whether that body's AFL sound. I just had one comment to make, and that is that no GWS player, when they wear their away strip, should be allowed to wear long sleeves. He, he loves the three quarters as well with no, his new tats. Long white sleeves. Is there a worse look in jumper wearing history than that? And uh, off the Facebook, uh, leave your comments and questions on the um, Facebook page from Sam Barlow. Go, you Giants. Are they the Tigers' main threat? Viney, your thoughts. I know you love being called Viney. I don't mind. <laughs> okay. What are your thoughts? I have never railed against okay, that. Okay, forget that. Are they the Tigers' main threat? No. Uh, who is? West Coast. Because okay. of ladder position and because of the history that forwards in finals can win matches. And West Coast have got a couple. Depends where it is. I mean, isn't that incredible that we could get, we could get down to a Richmond-West Coast final and if it was in Perth, you'd pre- West Coast would probably be favourites despite how good the Tigers have been. Absolutely. If it's here, Richmond, everyone will tip Richmond. Yep. I'm not sure home ground advantage should play that big a factor, but that's the way the competition works. Good question. Thanks for that. Keep them coming, too. Okay, uh, our next feature game for discussion was the MCG Saturday, Collingwood, North Melbourne. And this one, disappointingly, perhaps, those of us who thought it might provide more of a contest, probably said about where... No, no that could be a bit unfair to North, but... I think North sort of starting to be found out by the better teams. And this was a, a great performance by the Pies. This was as solid, I think, as they've looked. 2010, 130, smashed North Melbourne. 9-10-64. Four goals each to Dugowie and Majacek. And I reckon at the start of the year, if you had them as your leading goal kickers, um, you, you could have had decent odds on that. Hoskin Elliott, three. Stevenson, three. Grundy, Adams, Phillips, Greenwood, Cox, Thomas. That's a pretty reasonable spread. Pendlebury, Adams, Dugowie, probably the standouts. How really good in defence. I thought um, Collingwood's had other great wins this year, but I thought that was as imposing as they've looked all season. They were on song. They yeah. really were in fine fettle. Side bottom bounce back from being a bit disappointing the week before against the West Coast Eagles. Pendlebury is always influential. Hoskin Elliott was in good touch, took a really neat mark in the first quarter over the back of two players. The goey's always clever, dangerous. Fluffed his lines a couple of times, actually. He could have had more. Uh, Miocek kicked three in the first quarter. What about him? Like, he, to me, he's that classic... There's nothing special looking about him, but he just gets the job done. I like him, and I really liked him for Port Melbourne last year. I thought he was key to their successes last year and kept an eye on him in the draft and would have liked him to head to the Saints. I'm sure with the family connection, you would have liked him to head to the Bombers. (laughs) Do you know, Jack Majek only played 13 games for Essendon. And he didn't look like Brody because he was short and red-haired. Yeah, he was uh, very um, stocky. Stocky, (laughs) yeah. Uh, he was um, pugnacious, but they were all on song. They lost Darcy Moore before the game, which meant that their back line was nominally going to be stretched. And look, it was. When the service was right, door looked dangerous, no question. I reckon Ben Brown's been a bit disappointing in the last two or three weeks. I know that he likes Vin, uh, Vin, Jared Wade as a foil, but he's got a, a good one in 
Majak door, mm. and he hasn't really imposed himself. There was an opportunity to do so, even though the ball wasn't down there that much. I'm not saying they would have won the game, but I think Ben Brown's in a bit of a flat spot. Yeah, well, I, don't, what, uh, I should have checked. How far off is White? Because ever since they've lost him, I think they've really lost that same dynamic that they had prior to that. Jared White has, as he has been throughout his career, been a tantalising test or one week away for a month now. Just on the Pies backline too, and it does look undersized at times, but again, their backline's quite dynamic too, isn't it? I mean, Howe obviously plays taller than he yep. is, but even uh, someone like Scharenberg, I think, is a bit the same way. You know, I think there's a, they have a capacity to adjust to whoever the opponent is. So uh, they're growing on me, the Pies, as a, a rigid edge premiership chance. Yeah, I mean, North Melbourne just fell to pieces. Um, Scotty Thompson got his nose broken about four times. He just was being smashed both in the air and yeah, physically. Yeah, wasn't, wasn't it? A lot uh, of blood rules. Yeah, I've never seen so many blood rules. They was, bled. Uh, they well, bled it was for like it. like a vampire movie. Tony uh, off Facebook says, did Collingwood's win finally prove to any doubters that we are the real deal? Um yeah, oh, what well, did me? I, I just perhaps uh, I didn't think they could reach that sort of higher a level. Um, so yeah, I, I think on their day, look, this Richmond Collingwood game coming up, how big is that going to be? It'll be a great game. Look, they are a really good mix in the modern game. We know that the shorter forward line works. But it's good that your one tall is really tall because Mason Cox is a menace. Now, just on that, very quickly, I digress a little here, but Richmond Collingwood is scheduled for, is it one forty-five on Saturday afternoon? Eddie Maguire just went rogue and seemed to throw up during the call of the Carlton Hawthorne game today that uh, the AFL had discussed moving that to a night game, which was uh, news to, it's fair to say, everyone else in the commentary box and certainly those of us watching at home. I would be really disappointed if they did that. Um, A, because they haven't done it for any other games. B, because I think most of us, correct me if I'm wrong, weigh in here on the comments, but I think a lot of us are looking forward to the prospect of Saturday afternoon, 1.45, you know, somewhere around the traditional 2pm, Collingwood and Richmond. Can't we just let that be? You know, do we have to tinker with absolutely everything? Anyway. And that, I'm pretty sure the games can't be moved anymore. Well, uh, they're not moving it. They'd just be moving the time slot. Okay. But uh, I'm hoping if Ed wasn't just sort of throwing in a chestnut there for discussion on Fox footy programs during the week, which is always possible, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Mark asks, are North Melbourne gone? Um, no, I don't think they're gone in terms of making the eight. Their draw, they've got West Coast at home. They've got Brisbane um, at the Gabba. They've got the Bulldogs. They've got Adelaide away, St Kilda. Right at the moment, I would give them... Uh, I'd still be giving them at least three out of those five, if not four. The, the Next week's such a big round of footy. What a huge game North Melbourne and West Coast is. Yeah, we've got Collingwood-Richmond, you've got North Melbourne West Coast, you've got Essendon-Sydney, yep. uh, you've got Adelaide-Melbourne. It's moving day. Yeah, fantastic. All or, right. Or days. Let's move on. They're our feature games, but uh, don't fear... Well, just let's put our... our you know, is on the line. Will they make the eight? Who, North? Yes. I'd need to go through every club's draw. I don't commit myself uh, like this. Um, I do. No, they won't. Okay, I would say right now, no, they won't. Well done. Okay. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's move on. Um, Friday night. Uh, 
Gee, haven't there let's been move. Some, let's move on. Haven't there been some great Friday night games this season? Uh, absolutely went according to script. Richmond, 16-15, Defeated St Kilda, 8-9-57. What's that, a 50... How's my maths? A 43. 54-point win. Uh, four goals to Jack Rewalt. Three to Dion Prestia. Makes them that much better again. Gee, he's a good player. Two to Caddy. Um, Prestia, Martin, really good again. Rance, as usual. Jaden Short, what a plus he's been from this yeah, year. He good just, kick too, isn't he? It gives their back line a bit more class. Not that it wasn't classy, but I just yep. think it gives them a bit more polish and penetration with his kicking. He's a, I love the fact that Short is such a long kick. Uh, your boys, um, what do we say about your boys? Well, they're absolutely dismal in the first half. A bit more competitive after halftime. Six goals to five, actually won the... Second half, but uh, too little, too late. More junk time than standing in a queue waiting to get on a ride at the Royal Melbourne Show that yeah. game. Yeah. That had an entire half of junk time. It Sorry, did. St Kilda. Take nothing out of your second half. Take something out of the ability for Richmond to walk, I repeat, walk the ball out of the centre square in that first half. It was, at times, embarrassing. Set up. It was as though there was a complete breakdown of anything rehearsed during the week. Disappointing St Kilda. Richmond did what they had to do and they got their work done early. Uh, on another side note, but an important note, uh, great um, amount of funds raised for Maddie's vision. Yep. Uh, I think 1.4 million. I think 400,000 about raised at the game. Federal government kicked in a million dollars, so well done by them. Yeah, great. And I think the state government was going to match dollar for dollar what was raised for the game. So uh, getting up towards the $2 million range for research into bone marrow disorders. And had that tragedy not befallen the Revolt family, it's just an underfunded medical condition, a serious condition. So the AFL and the Rewalts and everybody involved have played a huge part in research in this country. All right, let's move on. The upset not only of this season, but uh, one of the biggest upsets of the last 10 seasons. Everyone was rushing to put a... Um... Well, during the game, we had it as the upset of the decade moved out to the upset of the century. Was It was the upset of the century. Well, this century? Eh, I guess it's possible. I think they were about... Uh, they were paying 20... about $17, weren't they, Gold Coast? Um, yeah, well, there were two twenty-five to one on losers on the weekend. Uh, always remember to gamble responsibly, by the way. Sydney and Michael Van Gerwen in the World Match Play Darts both got beaten at twenty-five to one on. Um, I guess what made it even more incredible is that at one stage they were down. Well, quarter time they were down twenty-nine points. I think the margin at one stage was over five goals. That is, and actually they closed betting at that point, didn't they? I think. Yeah. Have, have, do you find this as occasionally happens in a game, not to the point necessarily for a dramatic loss like we had, but a team that is expected to win has an easy first quarter, and mm. it all seems so damn obvious they just that they can get that they can get bitten on the backside. Hawthorne today almost fell bit. into that. Yeah, they were never going to lose, and normally it doesn't result in a loss because. As the score tightens, the better team wakes up. Well, it was almost, yeah, but it was almost like once they did wake up, Sydney, they, uh, they'd they given Gold Coast too much of a sniff and they, they weren't able to, the damage was done. So, Well, there wasn't a lot to wake up then. I mean, you've made the point that Sydney lack, you know, beyond Buddy and beyond 
buddy. Black star there's, quality. Yeah, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of players there that can just turn it on. Well, one who does that a bit for them, funnily enough, I think is Tom Papley, who who bobbed up with three goals for him at least. But after quarter time, it was eleven goals to two. Sydney kicked two goals after quarter time in perfect conditions. Yeah. Uh, gee, that's a disappointing performance by them. And yet they're still fourth on the ladder, finally, and they're still every chance they will turn around next week and roll out their best against the Bombers. You know... Anyway, look, we yeah. should, uh, we should talk should, about Gold, Gold Coast. Coast. Because they really deserve this. 11 losses in a row. And, they uh, deserve this win. Okay, Rory, who impressed you? For Rory Thompson was fantastic. Yep. He controlled the aerial issue down back. Yep. What uh, about Young Young? Look, Aaron Young is an interesting kid. He's Victorian. He was obviously picked up by Port Adelaide and he was shot back to Victoria at the end of last year without many takers. Gold Coast said, all right, we'll give you a go. Mm. Well, a couple of years, a, a couple of seasons, yeah. is it? And at Port Adelaide, he played really just as a forward pocket and, you know, opportunist. But mm. he was in it up to his ears. Holman, don't know a lot about him, but he was very competitive. Took Miller... Played a really good game. Run Alex, Alex Sexton, three goals. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, the one guy I want to wrap up, Jared Witts. He's been fantastic yeah. for the Suns. Man Mountain. In, and, in uh, difficult circumstances. Alir Alir was just about the only shining light for the Swans, honestly. Yeah. From their, you know, he, he again was their, conduit, their way out of the back line. And, yeah, look, they might turn it around Sydney, but can you believe that Fortress SCG has become an absolute... Yeah. You know, graveyard for the Sydney Swans. I think they've won one out of six. Yeah. How can Sydney be so shabby on their home ground? Asked Simon McNabb. Thanks, Simon. Um, do we think it's anything to do with the dimensions? I'm, I'm just thinking on the run here. I don't think they're as good a contested ball and clearance team as they used to be. So it's not like the small ground helps an advantage they already have, is yeah. it? Yeah. Look, we we worried about their depth. No Hannabury, no McVeigh, no Kieran Jack. It thins out. It definitely does thin out. There's a bit of a um, sort of a, a, a revolving door with the players that come in. The kids, Harry Marsh, y- Harry Cunningham, yeah, well, Harry who? Well, Haywood, Florent, etc. Et they're, they're okay. Yeah. They, they hold their spot. Have it's... they stagnated a bit though? Oh no, Florent. Did you mention Cunningham? Yeah, I'm yeah. saying he's he's the sort of guy that's in Fox. and out. Yeah, Fox is a. Do you do enough running, Fox? Um, Come on. Where we... He's not a lazy brown fox. No, no. Well, a quick brown fox. The sweet. No. Okay. Fox on the run for everyone. So, just one... I set it up. I gave you the entree. I'm a blockbuster man. One... It's a blockbuster. One final word on the Sydney Swans. They need a blitz. Next week, finding. No, you know what they. <laughs> you know boring blitz. You right, know what they. Fine. You know what they need. What? A, a younger Action. list. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm on a roll. Yeah, now. <laughs> I don't know if it's a great roll. Um, they need a younger list. Uh, yeah. They not... feel. Look, Heath Grundy apparently played in the kneeful, but you know he's an older. He's an older dude. Yeah. That midfield is. Yeah. Sort of ageing before our eyes, isn't it? Yeah, so are uh, so we. Nick gotta... Smith's been a tyro, but there just seems a lot of guys that have yeah. played a no. lot of footy. Yeah, no, true. Um, all right, let's move on. Essendon Fremantle was the Saturday Twilight game. Made hard work of it, the Bombers. 13-21-99 defeated the Dockers 11-4-70. 
Uh, at one stage, I think Essendon were 15 points ahead of the Dockers, and it was 15 scoring shots. It was yep. like 10, what was it, 10-15 to 10-1 or something like that. It was ridiculous. Uh, got there in the end. Um, standout, Orazio Fantasia, who we will get back to soon. Mitch Brown is has been really serviceable for the Dons in, in a key forward role um, since Dana has been out. And when McKernan did his hamstring, yeah. he needed to be, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was sort of the usual suspects, Jumping on board for the ride, Devin Smith again, as per usual, outstanding. Good effort from Zarakis in his first game back from injury. He hadn't played for about seven or eight weeks. Heppel, terrific. Merritt, a bit scratchy early, but warm to the task. And Hurley, I think, has recovered some of his form in defence since Hooker went back there, although Hooker did go forward again to try and give him a bit of goal-scoring power. Uh, look, I I don't think they're... I still don't think they're quite good enough, Um the upside for the Bombers is these are the sorts of games in recent years that they've dropped and they've been doing, last two weeks particularly, Fremantle and Gold Coast, they've done enough to win the games they should be winning. Yep. Great test for them next Friday night against the Swans. You know, Fremantle went into that game barely recognisable. The Scott Jones, was that the Ruckman? The, yeah, the, the, the big boy. The, the big fellow? Yeah, he's a big fellow. He looks like a suburban footballer. Yeah. Again, <laughs> um, no big bloke looks great when they're an all-white uniform. But no Sandlins, no Fife, uh, no Stephen Hill. The To me, they've picked up, they've got one player I really like with a very Essendon name, Banfield. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Bailey Banfield's been good yeah, uh, I liked most of the year for them. Um, so how, rest- how big a loss is McKernan? Uh, structurally, very. Um, I think uh, they'll have to bring Stewart back, and he yep. hasn't been playing good footy in the VFL. Uh, John Funlovin Hines, thanks, John, says, have Fremantle made the biggest miss of the draft by not getting Stevenson? Um, well, who'd they go for? They went for Sarah at yep. five, and Stevenson was six. Um, and they had Brayshaw. What pick was Brayshaw? Three? Three? Three and five, Brayshaw and Sarah. Still too early to tell. Look, Stevenson was very highly rated. I don't know if his health condition that was publicised before draft had anything to do with it. I'd Look, I'd leave judgment longer than one season, John. I mean, we can see guys have a great first year and then, you know, it, it evens up after that. And I think Brayshaw and, and Chera will both be really good players for them. But yeah, Chera, Sarah. Is it Chera? I think the Italian pronunciation is Chera, isn't it? Anyway... But he's been good. He's played virtually every game. He's not in a great team. How would Stevenson fare in a team like Fremantle? Yeah, well, that's that's a good point. Uh, another one from Simon McNabb. Who's the Bombers' number one tour with Joey and McKernan out? Well, I think it's got to be Mitch Brown. I think um, if Stringer comes back, and I think he still might be out for another one, they've sort of had to reorganise their, their forward setup quite a bit. This season, um, ironically, it's probably performed better without the names there. But I think Mitch Brown's doing well enough to be considered the number one target. I guess the big if is going to come at selection this week, and it's going to be again Aaron Francis. Do they bring in Aaron Francis and put him in defence and leave Carl Hooker forward, or do they leave Hooker in in defence? Have it take a chance, say on Francis as a forward, which yeah, he's played all his footy in defence this year in the VFL. There's one big other, selection. Poses. One other option. What is it? I know there has been times where they've toyed with maybe Bell Chambers as a key forward, playing more forward. Could you go back to Lewenberger and Lewenberger, the Ruck Belgian? Nah. just for one week? No, nah. no. Nah. 
couldn't One or do two it. weeks. So. Nah. And uh, Bell Chambers, don't get me wrong, Bell Chambers had a, easily his best season of footy in the ruck. They need him in the ruck. Okay. All right. All right, let's move on. Uh, Brisbane, Adelaide. And um, Brisbane continuing their great form. They'd won three in a row. Almost won this one. Um, mm. uh, the Crows, 13-15-93, defeated the Lions, 13-10-88. Four goals to Greenwood. Uh, good performer for the Crows. Jenkins and Knight, two each. And uh, the goals pretty much shared around for the Lions. Rory Laird continuing his prolific possession winning. Greenwood good, like I said. Crouch, Malera, Jenkins. Uh, for the Lions, Robertson, Wester, Withered and Rainer Zorko caught the eye. Great hanger that Rainer took uh, in the goal square too after um, Josh Walker had taken one. What do you make of that guy? Uh, flattered Brisbane. Flattering final margin. Yeah. Adelaide really sort of had them most of the night. They yeah, had, well, they kicked one off the bell, didn't they? Yeah. They had most of the responses, yep. Adelaide. And unfortunately for Brisbane, what's worked really well for them in the last couple of weeks didn't reappear for one more showing, and that's to be expected. Look, Hipwood's been really good the last two or three weeks, but yep. uh, he was a no-show, and to that end, great game by Alex Keith. Now, I thought he was almost their best player. He played a really good game, Alex Keith. Yeah. He just dominated Hipwood. He played him smart. <clears throat> Hipwood tried to get up the ground. Keith was mobile enough to go with him. Hipwood tried to muscle him. And Keith was strong enough to withstand it. So Well, he might have taken Hardigan's spot. Yeah, well, he certainly ain't losing his spot on that performance. The, the uh, I'm very surprised to see Crouch and the best players did. He slaughter the ball or what? The answer is yes. And really, it was a game, I think, well, well played by Adelaide because it was against a confident Brisbane and Brisbane couldn't find their best selves. Give Adelaide credit for that. A uh, quick one from Tony. Is Brisbane the best low end of a ladder team since Collingwood won six in 76 and lost six by less than 15 points? They're pretty good. Um, I mean, they won the, they won the Wooden Spoon last year with uh, five wins, which was the most wins by Wooden Spoon for 20 years. So what have they won? They've won four, haven't they? Was it Murray Wiedemann who coached that? Yeah, 76. Yeah. yeah. Underrated Murray Wiedemann. Yeah. Well, they'd lost the elimination final in 75 and proceeded to... Make the grand final. Make the grand final in 77 under Tommy. Um, yeah, but yeah, they'd be up there with the best credentialed lower order teams, I'd say, certainly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Collingwood won the spoon, and I'm telling you, the wooden spooner this year is a real wooden spooner. Yeah, well, Carlton hadn't won one at all until the 21st century, and they're about to win their fifth. Um, now, I know a lot of people don't like that. You don't win wooden spoons. You yeah, no, if you go like that. All right, speaking, <laughs> speaking of the Blues, um, at halftime, I, I saw the half. Well, I saw the game and I saw the scores at halftime and I thought, oh, here we go, another week of hand-wringing over the Blues. Saved their bacon a bit with a more respectable second half, uh, sort of. Mm. Um, still pretty crushing defeat. 18, 16, 124 Hawthorne. Beating the Blues 7-10-52, which is uh, 72 points here. That's pretty ugly, isn't it? Probably gives you an indication where the Blues are at that we're talking about some respectability. Uh, five for Bruce, four for Puopolo, uh, nine between the two small forwards. Gunston, two. Schoenmakers, two. Mitchell, two. Um, Blues, Soldiers in Crips, uh, Weedering. Kennedy showed a bit for them. 
Um, I don't know what else to say about them, really. You help me out. Okay. I'm surprised you're alive. Why? Because there was 15 minutes of the worst goal kicking in the third quarter I mm. have ever seen. Yeah. It started with Kennedy. Then Why two does that make it surprising on the wall? Because you get really upset <laughs> with goal kicking, yeah. and I thought this might have finally done you in. Done my woofer valve. Harry Mackay had two shots of goal. <laughs> that was pretty funny, actually. That was yeah. terrible, only to be superseded by one he had in the last quarter that was incredible. Yeah. Uh, that was 30 metres out, where it bounced twice before it got to the square. Um, Hawthorne went forward, and they just couldn't kick a goal. I mean, they were hitting the post. They were... Puopolo, who normally jags them, was missing them by a mile. There was just uh, this, unfortunately, this Carlton team is uh, below par. They're just below par. And Hawthorne, you know, I don't often say this, Hawthorne got murdered by the umpires today. I don't know what the free kick count. Probably just as well, given the margin. No, I'm just saying, I'm saying... It was a very strange dynamic. Come on, we've got to move on. Simon says, uh, what Simon says, what does Carlton need to make the most of the talent they have? Oh, look, I think it's mostly about confidence at the moment. They just, you know, they've been kicked from pillar to post. They've won one game. I've seen this happen with uh, certain junior sporting sides with which I'm well connected at the moment. Um, the, the the bottom drops out of the performance because no one's got any confidence. Okay, I'll say this. They've got a, a lot of light frame players and the problem isn't as much getting the ball. They just have no depth on their kicking. They'll improve. Guys like guys like O'Brien, who I've been pretty critical of, he turns it over a lot. Polson, Zach Fisher. Polson, that was the best game Polson played, did I? Spot on. Yeah. Zach Fisher was going really well till he got injured. Um, by the way, how, if you play next week, Hurry up. if you play next week, the question will be why. Did something so stupid yeah, in yeah. the first quarter. He won't be playing. Yeah. Punch Crimson in the no, face. I saw it. And I'll tell you what, the injury to Zach Fisher needs to be looked at as well. He's number 17 for Hawthorne. How? Is that him as well? Mm. He stuck his leg out. 17's how, isn't it? He Pretty stuck, sure he, he stuck his leg out and almost, right, bro- almost bro- broke... Ankle. We've got to move on. Um, um, one word answer. Matters. Hawthorne and Geelong, both on 40 points. Yep. Hawthorne, 0.8 of a percent ahead. Which is the better side and which side's going to stay in the eight? Quickly run through their run homes. Hawthorne have got Fremantle away, Essendon, Geelong, St Kilda and Sydney. Cats have got Brisbane at home, Richmond, Hawthorne, Fremantle, Gold Coast. Okay, well, they play each other and I'll That'll determine put it, it down reckon. to that game. Yeah. Yeah, look, there's some great contests looming over the next few weeks. All right, we've got one more to go on wraparound. Feels like it's been going for about half an hour. Probably has. West Coast, 14 16, 100. Smash the Bulldogs, 6 10, 46. Uh, if only football games went for five minutes, Bulldogs would be in the top four. <laughs> I was going to say, if only there was a mercy rule in some football games, because this was done and dusted by quarter time in my book, by which time it was uh, 26 points the difference already. West Coast put it to bed pretty early and uh, just a holding mission thereafter. Bulldogs only, what, two goals in three quarters and one in the other. Yeah, gee, they've had a miserable year. Um, West Coast, a better side at home, but the difference between their home and away form has been significantly reduced, which is a good thing. It was just a, and another efficient 
win by them. Darling Kennedy had another hit out. Lacroix looked pretty good. Elliot Yo, great game from him. Andrew Gaff, as we've come to expect. McGovern, etc., etc. I agree with you. I think they're Richmond's biggest flag threat. Huxing's great on McRae. Yeah. I mean, McRae's a, a dominant player. Couldn't get into the game. Another scalp for Huxing's. Uh, tell us where the Bulldogs are in a tightly encapsulated, pithy soundbite. Uh... Probably, maybe not as terrible as it looks. Look, this season, they've actually discovered a few young players with a little bit of ability, I reckon. And one of them, that kid Lynch, almost got killed. Oh, yeah. yeah he's racked up the touches since he Unintentionally by Shannon Hearn. Mm. So hopefully he's okay. Um, so can they bounce back next year? They're not as bad as this, but they've lost contact with the top four. They're, they're, that premiership will be... An island, an isolated moment of glorious, you know, splendour. Seems they, a long they, time ago. I, I just, I think they're not as bad as this season indicates, but they're nowhere near a team that will be challenging for the flag in the next couple of years. All right, there you have it. There is the wraparound. All nine games done and dusted. Time now to move on to. Are you ready, Mr. Music? Yes. Hot or not? Censored. Oh. All right. I'm going to do that every week. He's going to be my not. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm kicking his off. Before you do, oh, canvas. No. Here we go. Yeah, what? Canvas for more interaction. We yeah, love. more interaction. Get on. Leave a comment. Leave a question. Criticise my air guitar playing. Back me up. We love the air guitar. Um, your own suggestions of hots or nots. We're open to anything. Within reason. I'm kicking his off. It's a hot, and it's, I'm not going to say it like you know who says it, Orazio Fantasia. He is such a barometer for the Essendon Football Club. Yeah, I've just pinched another phrase all commentators like now. Um, so much so that Essendon have won seven of the ten games that he's played this year and have won two of the seven games that he's missed. Those two things are far from a coincidence. 19 disposals, 9 marks, and 5-1 against Frio. Third time he's kicked five goals in the game. He's kicked nine goals in the last two games he's played. He's quick, he's clean, his kicking uh, is a cut above just about all his teammates. He's, uh, he's got great forward craft, can go in the midfield. He is a, and he's a leader too. He is going to be a long-termer for Essendon and a seriously good player. Yeah, well said. Okay. I'm going to start with the hot. All right. Who is it? What's the right number of possessions for Tom Mitchell to get respect? Because he is a very good footballer. I don't care how often he touches the ball, seriously. When he gets the ball, he's often tackled instantaneously, and he always gets the ball out, often, almost always to a teammate. He's actually a really good, powerful little tackle himself. He's willing to put his body on the line, a great um, sort of... Not intercept Mark, but he stood between the ball and Casbolt quite characteristically this afternoon. He's deadly around goals. He's, you know, don't give him a shot within 30. He does not get enough respect. He is a mighty footballer. And all right, he might not have the dynamic breakaway power of a Dangerfield or a Martin, but they don't have the durability or the 
incredible tank that he's got to go goal square from goal square to goal square for almost a hundred minutes. He's got great. Uh, he's got incredible reaction time. Do you like that goal he kicked in the third quarter where he just got it from the stoppage, sort of quick duck, and then bang on the boot and was straight as an arrow. Yeah, that was last quarter. Uh, I thought it was third quarter. It was to the right hand end. Last quarter. Uh, is that the Lockett or Coventry? Can't remember. Uh, quick one from Mike Wesley. Hot draft picks. I don't even. Oh, McLuggage and Rayner. Yeah, no, yeah. they've done very well there, haven't yeah. they? Um, yeah, they're, they're good. McLuggage just looks more comfortable every game, and Rayner. Yeah, he's had a he's had a ripper first season. Yeah, both of them down a bit last night. Where will Rayner come in the Rising Star? I think he should come first. Yeah. Yeah, I think who's who's favourite to win? Stevenson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's had an easier time of it, I suppose. All right, uh, my turn putting on the serious face for this one, and I'm, I am serious. Uh, not crowd violence. Um, what is going on now? There, you know, there's an argument, and we grew up on the terraces of Windy Hill and Victoria Park and Moorabbin, and they, they could be pretty ugly places, but um, I don't know about that argument that there's more camera phones and whatever, so those things are just captured more. There's a real ugly trend going on in footy crowds, and if people haven't seen it, a particularly ugly brawl at the end of that Geelong-Melbourne game at the Cattery. And I think that's at least the second time there's been an incident at GMHBA Stadium this year. I think it was after the Geelong-Carlton game. Uh, that was last year, yep. I think, there was an issue. Uh, we've had incidents at Eddie Head Stadium. We've had incidents at the MCG. Um, and I've, I've got to say this, and we, I know we share the same view on this. Any time there's a hint of trouble in an A-League game in this country, certain sections of the media get on their high horse and talk about um, you know, soccer crowds and hooliganism and blah, 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 and the Victoria Police come out and get a whole battalion of people in riot squad gear and whatever. But every time there's brawls like this at AFL games, we seem to sort of dismiss it as isolated incidents. I think it's time we've got to sort of face facts that there's a bit of an issue here, whether we need to ban alcohol completely at games or something. But that, uh, if you see the footage of that fight last night, it, it was really scary. Uh, you know, one guy hitting his head on the concrete step and blokes kicking each other and uh, it's not on. Um, so, you know, I really, Geelong have put a statement out about that fight last night, but I hope the AFL really launches a campaign on this one because it's really doing the public image of the game a lot of damage. And AFL types can't possibly slag off at soccer for their crowd problems when this is going on. I think it's been going on ever since I've been going on the footy. Mobile phones, you know, with um, the cameras do make a difference. But that's not to excuse it, is it? Absolutely not. All right. and, and I think we're sort of, I'm not saying we're more civilised, but surely we're more aware of one punch... Um, that sort of damage. Well, we should be, but it, it's continuing to happen. I, I, can... I, I will say this, that there's danger in numbers. It's, it's often when there's a big you know, majority and, and there's strength. Cowards find strength in numbers. Yeah. So I've always felt the most threatening crowds are the lopsided ones. Yeah. All right, your turn. Uh, not hot. And I know this is um, not groundbreaking, but I was staggered when I saw the reaction of uh, the post-game Melbourne Geelong. Max Gorn was disconsolate. Uh, Clayton Oliver, absolutely, you know, distraught. Melbourne, 
were to a man just gutted. Well, not to a man, because one man was having a happy old time of it, as we know. Bernie Vince might be a teammate of Dangerfield's, former teammate at Adelaide. And Bernie's, I met Bernie on the footy show this year. He's a really personable guy. And people react differently to losses, and I'm sure he takes it pretty seriously. But it's just not, not a good look. And if he had his time over, I reckon he'd... Um, it, look, you can't make somebody have, you know, tears in their eyes or, or look like, you know, they've just lost everything. But surely for the couple of minutes after the game, keep your socialising, you know, to yourself. I, I understand that view, but I can't agree with you on this okay. one. I, I Because, yeah, look, this I can remember um, who a Carlton player. It might have been Fev. might have been Brendan Favola getting criticised for this. I I don't think for a second that Bernie Vince is anything but 110% invested in that game. Um, and as you say, I mean, different people have different reactions. He's friend of Dangerfield's. Um, yeah, I, I sort of get where you're coming from, but I, I don't think, I don't feel comfortable criticising people for how they react after a game. We're all different. How, how about this whole thing of going to former teammates or, or TAC Cup? teammates straight after a game I think you should share important wins and losses with your teammates get in and in and around each other I think, yeah but I, I I sort of like the brotherhood that exists around the AFL I, th- I think that's a good thing and something that should be encouraged and it also maybe it's just because I'm getting older but you know it is a game it is a game and I think I think friendships and relationships yeah. and, are more important than the game. And I should say in soccer, in the world game, it is not uncommon straight after even the World Cup final for yeah. opposition players to embrace because there's club connections, etc. Yeah. that are more obvious. Or, or alternately, sometimes when they win, bleating about not getting enough game time, uh, like I think Gareth Bale did after the uh, European Champions League final. Um, anyway, that's a subject for another day. That'll annoy my son. Um, all right, I'm going to bring us home with a hot, and his name is Tom Hawkins, and a colossus he has been uh, most of this season. In fact, finally, I went through the numbers to have a look. Last 10 games, he's kicked at least three goals every single game. These days, that is a fantastic record for a key forward. 35 goals from the last 10 games for Hawkins. Last six games, he's taken 45 marks. 15 of which have been contested. These days, they're amazing numbers over that period of time. He is agile at ground level. He's got his agility back. Remember those cut few years when he was hampered by his back? I think that's gone. He kicked a couple of great snaps last night. And he has his commanding presence is back. And whenever they kick it in his direction, you think he's going to mark it and you think he's going to kick the goals. Outstanding last quarter. Four goals in the last quarter. Um, I think he's consistently been a man for the big moments, and uh, he, he is in career best form for mine right at the moment. Yeah, um, looks to be just the perfect size and shape for what they need him to be. Yeah, 30th birthday too, so happy birthday, Tomahawk. They sung, the crowd sung happy birthday at the end of the game. You know when he really sort of arrived as a new cast player, was, was it last year against Carlton when he just worked further up the field mm. and became a high-possession-winning goal-kicking threat. I think his mobility is underestimated. Well, it's become his great weapon and it yeah. won them the game. It simply yeah. won them the game because 
he kicked seven goals, mm. but it was his mobility yeah. in that last movement that won them the game. And it's funny because Geelong, um, particularly last year too, we don't seem to rate their forward set up that much, but they consistently score highly, or they did last year. Mm. Um, so, yeah, well done, Tom. Hall. Finishes off. And I'll bring us home with uh, just a big thumbs up, a huge hot for Gold Coast because it's been a tough go for them. They've lost 11 games in a row. It's funny, they started the season promisingly with the limitation of not having home games, and as soon as they got their home ground, things fell to pieces. Stuart Dew, I guess if he could have picked out one game in his first season to win, it would have been against the Sydney Swans. A, because he was part of their coaching setup. B, at the SCG, because it's a bloody hard place to win. C, because Gold Coast had never beaten the Swans, and I think that is the last... So now every team in the competition has, has beaten every other yeah, team. That was the last duck egg to be removed. Did everyone beat university before they folded? The only team that no, um Collingwood had a draw and otherwise never lost against university. Oh, I was gonna say, okay. So university didn't beat everyone. Yeah, yes. Um so only Collingwood. Right. But okay. they did draw with the university. And otherwise okay. they did get a win against everybody. That's a good stat. I knew you'd be good for that. Uh, how big a part did uh Dew's Intel play in the win, do you think? Well, Buddy didn't kick a goal. Mm. They certainly, you know, played him wise. They 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 didn't overcommit to Buddy. I mean he had a couple of chances. He still had a couple of, you know, those big buddy shots that could have been telling. Mm. But they Certainly didn't over when I say over commit to him. They, you know, there, there tends to be a sort of one on one. You've got to beat Buddy, mm. but it was all hands on deck. Oh, well many done. helping out. And it was a really good win. Yeah, no, really happy for them. There's a lot of good people at the Suns. Really happy for Stewie too. He's a ripper of a bloke, and he will be a great coach. That is it for hot or not. Can I just throw in? I know that you love. Hang on, I love your air guitar. I've got a cricketing hot very quickly. Okay, quick. Look, South Africa are getting annihilated by Sri Lanka in Sri Lanka. They lost the first test. They're about to lose the second. But they did get a player to take nine wickets in an innings, which is very rare in cricket. Oh, we love Maharaj, South African spinner. And he could have had the tenth because I think it went to the umpire and they overturned it. It was earlier on. It wasn't the last wicket. But he took nine for hundreds and something. But that's a great effort. Were you watching that? Yep. When was it on? Sort of starts at two in the afternoon. It was. I, I, I can't. I'm still recovering from the World Cup. I know how you do it. But we haven't seen many nine for Zidane live, and I just no. Hadley. Uh, well, Jim Laker. Not in my life. Two. Oh, not in my life. No, true. Nine and ten for. And oh, Hadley up at the Gabba against Australia. And he took the catch off Vaughan Brown for the other wicket. It was it Vaughan Brown? Yeah. Good get. All right, that's uh, the cricket hot or not for this week. <laughs> Come on. That's our cricketing <laughs> Now, normally, normally I do this faux, I'm going to get really angry, but uh, it's it's sort of outlived its usefulness. So I think we'll just throw now, Fanny, to the rant off. All right, go for it, mate. All right, well, you'll be pleased to know I've managed to turn uh, what was overwhelmingly a positive into a negative 
So, um, how did you do? Uh, well, like I like saying to you a lot, Finey, I'm not just a glass half empty man. My glass never had anything in it to begin with. So count me in, and I'll be on my merry, not so merry way. Three, two, one. I'm pissed off with Geelong and Melbourne, Finey. Who do they think they are turning on one of the best games of the last few years, just when we'd apparently all decided football as we knew it was dead? I don't know what was going on at the Cattery, but it certainly didn't suit the carefully crafted narrative we've been sold by both the AFL and the media. Free-flowing footy, two teams kicking 100-point tallies, key forwards taking big marks, kicking bags of goals, and a kick after the siren to win the game. Next thing you know, crowds are going to be staying till the end of games every week. These decent games are starting to throw a real spanner in the works, Finey. There's at least another two or three committees the AFL had in mind to discuss potential rule changes and for a very worthy cause. That is, the employment of former AFL players who can't get jobs either with the clubs or in the media, as few as that may be. It's also pretty inconsiderate given the trouble to which the media is going to accommodate all the coverage about starting positions, reduced interchange, longer goal squares and the like. There's several Herald Sun symposiums on the state of the game in the pipeline all of which will require a radical redeployment of staff, with the scary possibility there may be days on which reporters aren't available to write the latest contract speculation story. We can't have that. Or chip in on the latest African gangs beat up. <laughs> but that's the sort of sacrifice the media is prepared to take, Finey, to make sure even purported rule changes can somehow be made to be all about them. And what do the cats and demons do? They threaten all that by playing a game so good it might have actually made people stop and ask, do we really need to turn the game as we know it on its head? I'm really worried, Finey. This entertaining football might catch on. And you know what that means? Former players in the media are going to have to start enjoying it rather than just bagging the crap out of everybody while they look for attention. And the journos? Well, they might even have to start writing about actual games of football again. I've worked with some of these people, Finey, and frankly, I'm not sure that's a risk we can afford to take. You got all your little bugbears out of that <laughs> I, one, didn't I you? I did, I did, I did. I did. There were a few it, boxes there and I ticked them. Isn't it nice that a great game was played between our two oldest clubs, sort of the two, you know... I like that historical the two originals. angle. I like that historical yeah, angle. I think it'll be a really uh, interesting thing to see uh, certain people in the football media have to write about games. Well, that'd be uh, <laughs> that'd have you almost um, well, in a couple of cases, almost believing in Santa Claus and the Easter money. Well, I think uh, one in particular would have to learn which direction the press box was. Uh, I'm going to count you in three, two, one, rant. This pity party for Carlton has to stop and it needs to stop now. They're an AFL club and they don't need to be treated like special citizens. Today's game between Carlton and Hawthorne was commentated in a rather unusual manner by the big team assembled for the game by Fox Football. At one point, Harry Mackay on his own took a mark from a 25-metre pass. Good hands, good mark by Mackay, great mark by Mackay. No, it wasn't. Maybe great mark for a Carlton player, as supposed by the commentators. No, every handball that hit a target was met with glee. Every kick that didn't go out of bounds of scrubble on the ground or hit the teammate in the shins or missed the teammate altogether was met with cries of, that's something to build on. And when Carlton finally kicked that goal in the second quarter, 
actually got a score. It was celebrations all around, Cade Simpson Day. Well, this has got to stop. This is Carlton, people. It's not university. It's not the beleaguered Fitzroy. It's not Box Hill Football Club or the defunct Waverley Football Club. It's bloody Carlton. It's Carlton. Remember them? 16 premierships. If you don't think they won 16 premierships, go and have a snack down at the Carlton Cafe. Jason Johnson runs it, by the way. You'll get full view of 16 Polish Cups. They were pretty good, Carlton. No teams won more. I know Essendon's won the same. Remember, this is Carlton, people. Remember Georgie Harris when Carlton won the flag by three points over Collingwood? Five. Oh, five. Remember what he said? Yeah. The only thing better than beating Collingwood by 100 points is beating them by five. This is Carlton, people. This is Carlton that tried to buy out the North Melbourne Football Club simply to get access to Wayne Carey. This is Carlton, people. This is Carlton, one of only two creditors that denied St Kilda's scheme of arrangement, aiming to put them into insolvency and out of the AFL just to get access to Barker and maybe Cunningham. This is Carlton, people. This is Carlton that was once ruled by John Pig's Ass Elliot. This is Carlton, people. Remember Ian Collins? Under the table. This is Carlton. Born to rule, born to succeed. They allowed the Prime Minister to drive to the ground, into the ground in his Rolls Royce, and park on the centre wing. It was called the Sir Robert Menzies Stand. It was hubris as we know it. This is Carlton, meant to rule for a million years. Now, don't tell me the Byzantines, the Trojans or the Israelites suddenly forgave the Romans half an hour after the Roman Empire fell. You bet they didn't. And I'm not excusing Carlton. Maybe, maybe in a couple of thousand years, if I feel kindly, and they've assembled their 1,832nd wooden spoon, I might feel inclined to feel a twinge of pity for the poor old blues. But until that day comes, they can suffer. Very passionately expressed. And it's always struck me that St Kilda supporters have a particular antipathy towards the blues that exceeds... Yeah, do you want to know why? Uh, From the back line, Edgar, Muller, Buckley, half-back. There's an entire team. Keep going, keep going. Oh, half-back line. Uh, Well, these are the players. I I can put them in position. But Peter Brown. Yeah. Look, McConville was good. Mark who? Ricky Nixon. Sheldon. Half-centre line of Jez. Michael Jez. He actually never played for St Kilda, but was on the list for two years. Alex Jezelenko, yeah. strangest coach in the history of football, apparently. Uh, on the other wing, Mark Arsiri, we can put him in there. Uh, did I mention Stephen Edgar? Uh, you did. Yeah. Um, how about our captain snooze, Mark Buckley at centre-half forward? Um, oh, thank you, Carlton. Thank you so much for dumping your dreck, Corker Mealis. It just went on Bomber Sheldon, Bomber, I should say, Bomber Sheldon. Nothing wrong with him. Ricky Nixon. Oh, that was a gift yeah. from heaven. Yeah, I get it. 
I'll yeah, get you it. get it. Now, a couple of points. Um, the Robert Menzies car thing that was actually behind the goals. I've seen pictures oh, of I'm it. Oh, so behind the goals. Behind the heat we stick what, goals. What a, what a, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, feel sorry for that. Oh, I actually interviewed Jason Johnson and Mark Johnson for the Essendon Football Club during the week, and you can find the what video on the Essendon Football Club. They are both great bikes. In fact, here's the funniest part. People always mistook them for brothers. Well, Mark Johnson actually has a brother called Jason Johnson. But he's so used to people thinking the other Jason Johnson is his brother that people go up to him and go, oh, how's Jason going? He goes, no, no, he's not my brother. They go, yeah, your brother Jason who works at... Uh, yeah. And so he's, he's got an older brother called Jason who he sort of denies his brother because he always thinks people are referring to the other one. But his brother David Johnson played, played for Geelong. Of course he and did. And looked a bit like Chapman. Well, he was he had a rather receding hairline, which Mark, I'm pleased to say, uh, doesn't. I, was, I really enjoyed it. It was a good, fun interview. Check it out on the Essendon Footy Club website. I think we're, our work here is done, Finey. I'll just let you... It's not often your rant's angrier than mine, but I think you might have taken the honours today. Um, very big thanks to... Uh, I'm chafing. You're chafing? Yeah, I need some baby powder. Okay, all right. You've, se- you've seen Johnson and Johnson. Johnson, Johnson. Johnson. I did that. I asked if they were called the baby okay. powder. Oh, that's, I'm not really chafing. Um, all right. Uh, very big thanks to Tom for his magnificent work. Yeah, we got uh, there. Big thanks to Craig for his help as well. And a big thanks to uh, David Forney. That's your son. That is my son, David He's Connolly. loving it. He is loving it. He's uh, here under duress, but... Uh, I'm paying him. Believe it or not, I am paying him money to help out his dad. Back in my day. Back in my day. All right, Fighty, we're done and dusted. Uh, look, it was a great round of footy. Um, there's a lot of life left in this season. You bet. have to hurry up and make that plane. Um, next week's going to be an absolute corker, so looking forward to bringing that to you. Uh, don't forget our audio podcast on Thursday morning. should be up online by about 10 a.m. Thursday morning uh and until then mark and everyone else may your football be good football and good night